Welcome to Midnight Conversations. My name is Stephen Banos. And I'm Anandanami Karaja. How you feeling, Anandan? <laughs> yeah, feeling good. Feeling good. Mm. Yourself, Stephen? How are you? I am, yeah. No, look, I'm good. I'm good. I was feeling a little mm-hmm. bit drowsy earlier. Had a nice cold shower. Had some uh, coconut almonds. And uh, I am raring to go right now. Interesting. So many questions. Firstly, yep, cold showers. <laughs> is that a regular occurrence? Do you actually often have cold showers? Uh, no, I don't. It's not, it's not that regular. Um, okay. but I was just, feeling it. I just needed it. Okay. I needed to pick me up when I got home from work and it Excellent. worked a treat. Fair enough. Second question. Yep. Coconut almonds. Oh, man, uh, what are we, what are we talking about? Are they it, almonds coated in coconut flakes or is it? You, you nailed it. Co- it's, oh, is it actually? Uh, <laughs> well done. What an well, intelligent they, man the, you are. The know. description does it justice. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Um, in saying that, I mean, mm-hmm. That's not a segue to our paper, but uh, I do have some sort of segue in line for today's paper. Before we go into that, I <laughs> before we do that, I thought I would, uh, inf- you know, we got we got a piece of news that came across our our desk, Stephen. I'm not sure if you read this email that came into our joint account, uh, Midnight Conversations mm-hmm. Podcast at gmail.com. That's a little bit of a plug there, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just uh, it was it was a guy from uh, Emmanuel Johnson is his name. Hmm. And he wrote us a nice email. And I thought I'd read it to you because I think there's lots of lots of opportunity here for us, uh, for us, the listeners of the show, the podcast in general, uh, for where we can go with this. It's, it's pretty big. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, one of those emails where, you know, I, I had to take a take a deep breath. I, I resisted calling you and I was like, no, 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 I'll share this on the pod. I, I, I'll let you know how yeah. things are going. Nice. Um, because you and I, we do this. We do this for the love of it. Right. In the sense of there's there's no real incentive uh i'd say mm-hmm. apart from just just the enjoyment of, yeah. of podcasting seeing each other seeing another. each other having a chat That's it. learning some there things well mr emmanuel johnson is a man who uh i think wants to incentivize us a little bit more he says dear it doesn't have a name but i'm assuming he means midnight conversation he says my name is mr emmanuel johnson that's how that's how it starts mm-hmm. uh, contact me for more information on the transfer of 7.9 million dollars left by my late client I want to present you as a business partner and next of kin of the fund. I'll give you the details of this transaction as soon as I hear from you. I need the information below. Just the full name, address, personal telephone number. Best regards, Mr. Emmanuel Johnson. Stephen Manos, Amazing. we are about to be in line for $7.9 million. Wow. Who would have Isn't thought that-, that this podcast would lead to that? Who would have thought? <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know why that email went straight to our spam folder and it went uh, to, I, I don't know why it skipped the inbox folder and went straight to the spam, but uh, this that's just how it is. So I think we have to follow up. I think we're going to have to chase this down and, yes, then, and then share this with the undeniably. listeners, you know, and, and just we'll do something special with $7.9 million. Think, yeah. of, think of all the things we could do. It'd be amazing. If anyone else wants to offer us large sums of money, uh, yep. Let us know. You have our email address, Midnight Conversation Podcast at gmail.com. We look forward <laughs> to getting your offers for money. <laughs> and uh, a way you can reach us mm. uh, with Midnight Conversations is you can always, uh, you know, we have heaps of social media. We've got Instagram, yep. we've got Facebook, we've got TikTok now, mm-hmm. and we also have Twitter. Um, and we can you can tweet at us uh, to to get your information out there. Tweeting is a, is a great way to share information with one another. Mm. Um, and actually, 
it's it's the topic of our podcast today. That Tweeting segue out your thoughts. was not nearly as bad as I thought. Well played. Yeah, thanks, David. Thanks. Not nearly as bad <laughs> as what I dreamed for. <laughs> so, um, Stephen, do you want to let the listeners know generally what the topic is today, what we're, hmm. what we're talking about? What's the paper about? We are talking about how uh, people might be able to draw attention to their scientific articles or publications via means of social media, uh, specifically mm-hmm. Twitter. Now, exactly. Anadin. Yes. You have published some articles. Have I you have. not? Yeah. Yeah, well, I have. Have yeah. you tweeted about them? I have tweeted about most of them, yeah. Really? Definitely. Yeah, well, is... because Twitter is one of those things where you choose the circle of people around you. Mm. So, in it, which can be dangerous in a way, because whoever, I guess as with all social media, whoever you follow is the information that you're getting. So, you can have a very, like, insular circle of information that you, you get. Uh, but... In a positive way, I sort of follow a lot of researchers who are doing really cool research. And so they always tweet out their publications and it's a way for me to find out what they're doing. And so in the same way, I, I tweet out my publications and, and go from there. So, yeah, yeah. I definitely use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, uh, is there any particular reason why why you uh, found this paper and wanted to, to talk about it today? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The reason is because this paper was actually trending on uh, Twitter Uh particularly in, in my in my little Twitter sphere. Okay. Um, because it, it's one of those things. People know that Twitter can be useful, a useful resource for getting your research out there, but no one really knows exactly how much, how much better um, can your research reach a, a larger audience through the medium of like using social media. So I thought it was a really cool uh, article. So we'll get into what, what the people hmm. here did. Um, essentially, they, the Thoracic Surgery Social Media Network it's a collaborative effort of leading journals in cardiothoracic surgery to highlight publications via social media. So it's a little sort of group, collective group that tries to get the research out there to the public and other scientists through social media. And this study was a one-year uh, randomized social media trial. And so they followed up the results after a year to see whether tweeting on papers or like putting a a tweet out there into the universe about that there's this paper that's been published will have an effect on how well a paper is cited. Before we go on, let's explain what citations are. Mm. Stephen, what's your understanding of citations? Uh, Uh, It's it's basically when one paper refers to another, right? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are, if you, Stephen, were to write a paper Mm -hmm. and I wrote a paper, um, so say you wrote a paper on you know, uh, inheriting money from Mr. Emmanuel from Johnson Emmanuel, yeah. and the, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to see, you know, how many of these emails are scam emails or truth emails. And you're, you're doing a little randomized study on that. And then I do another study that's related to, uh, scammers or something. And I want to reference your results. Mm-hmm. I will cite you. And so all that means is I, I reference you and then your article gains a citation, which, mm-hmm. uh, and, those articles that are cited by a lot of people gain lots of citations, and that sort of can be a sign of either how influential that paper is in the field of knowledge for that area. So mm. that's broadly what citations are. Citations are very, very useful for researchers in a lot of ways, one of which is credibility for your research having significance in an area. And the second thing is when trying to get funding, um, you need to show that your research has some sort of relevance to the broader broader scope of the world and, and also has importance. And so citations can be one metric to use to say, well, look, this is how many people 
read my research and use it to justify their further research. So, um, yeah, that's generally what citations are. So what, yeah. what these people did was uh, in this study, they uh, got 112 articles, journal articles that were published from 2017 to 2018. And they randomly selected of these 112 articles, 56 of them, uh, which were to be uh, allocated to either being tweeted or allocated to being non-tweeted. And the ones that were tweeted were had a very specific way in which they were tweeted. So they were like standardized. It was a, a tweet which sort of explained what the paper was about. And there was clear criteria in which if a tweet was tweeted and then the and someone was engaging with that tweet no one would follow up and the person of, of the account wouldn't follow up and ask you know more questions or engage with comments or retweet or like or all that if any of these you know kind of words are going over your head and if you're not on twitter don't worry it's just like they weren't they just sent a message and left it at that and that was the extent of the twitter interaction and um what they found at the end of this was a few things uh, unsurprisingly they found that uh, articles that were tweeted uh, reached more people and were cited uh, more so than articles that weren't tweeted. Uh, but the amount in which they were cited is what was amazing. They found that those that were tweeted were actually cited 10 times more than those that weren't tweeted. So uh, uh, the average score was, you know, mean was 9.4 for tweeted versus 1 uh, citation uh, at the end of one year, so hmm. you're more likely to be cited, you know, ten times more often if you're if you're tweeting your article than not. And that's the broad takeaway from this paper, and it shows that just after a year, like the the impacts of of tweeting can can be very very it's amazing. So, yeah, yeah. What were you, what were your takeaways, Stephen? Did you have any any thoughts, any ideas? On that? I did, I did. This got me thinking quite a lot, actually. All right. Um, I guess. What is science, right? Science is basically like trying to uncover little bits of information about ourselves or about the world um, that I guess are, are useful to us in some way, right? Mm -hmm. And then I guess our beliefs and our entire reality uh, are formed by that information. Yeah. Yep. So to me, it's there's some concern in having people who are doing research also then promoting their own research because what they can do is they can then skew the information um, mm. that, that people are then giving attention to. Right. Mm. So, uh, I mean, I, I guess a question for you is what are the incentives for people who have done research to promote their own research? Is there, is there funding that comes with, you know, having having a, a more widely cited paper, or is it is it an ego thing? Or yeah, what, what, it's, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, there's a few things. One is if you, I mean, there's no no real direct incentive in mm. academia. It's one of those perks that people do for a few reasons. One, they enjoy the outreach. They en they enjoy actually explaining their research to others, uh, others like media and, and getting the paper out there. Um, the other is they feel a sense of responsibility after doing the science. They think it's a, an important part of the scientific process to communicate those findings to the public, to have a well-informed public that's interested and engaged about science. Mm -hmm. um, but financially, there's not always direct financial incentives. Like I've gone on media and television and you know uh, radio shows but there's been no monetary benefit to it. However, mm. if your research is out there and you're showing this track record of engaging with the public, you may 
be in better stead to have evidence to say, look, my research has this sort of social impact and this is why I deserve this funding for future projects. And uh, mm. so there, there can be indirect funding that comes from it. But I think what's interesting in your question is where our view is shaped by the information we see, right? Mm. So if, if this study is showing that the information that gets out there can be changed with those who are more out there and, you know, maybe not doing yeah. better science, it, they're just, you know, getting their science out there in a, in a better way. Uh, what does exactly. that mean for how scientific thinking is, is shaped? Exactly. So, like, I mean, like a silly example would be if if I had um, written a paper showing that like smoking cigarettes is great for mental health, mm. and then I tweeted this and like I'd created you know great great attention around this paper, and then yeah. I've like this this narrative that smoking could be good for you is is then being mm. spread widely, and if the yeah. paper is showing that smoking cigarettes um, can cause like harmful effects like cancer and things. If they're yeah. not being distributed as widely or if that information isn't being spread, then, you know, it's it's not like my paper was causing misinformation. It's just that the narrative around cigarettes mm. is not complete. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and what's funny is mm. a topic such as that, which goes against the grain of current research, would take off so quickly. Like mm. media outlets would love the, oh, wow, look, shock factor of this study's findings. Yeah. And, you know, it, yeah, as you say, it may not be misinformation or it may be misinformation. There may be some sort of, you know, weird uh, artifact in the data which which causes this result. So there's many things. Mm. But and even if it you it was found to not be true uh, and it was a, a retraction was stated later, the damaging effects of, you know, what that information has done to the public is mm. is difficult. I mean, even in our in our sphere of doing midnight conversations, I think we did a a, a, po- a podcast which was talking about egg consumption and mm. cardiovascular disease. And I remember there was a comment in in one of the posts that we did, which was saying, "Well, when, when are scientists going to start to understand when egg consumption is? They say it's good for you, it's bad for you. Wine's good for you, wine's bad for you. Like, what's going on here? Like, when are we going to get a uniform?" Uh, a consensus and i think what we're touching on is this difficulty of the interaction between science and the media like how do you get scientific thinking out there when media often just want to get the best information out there but often want to get it out there quickly which means and they want to get the public interested which isn't always a bad thing but when you want to get the public interested sometimes it sacrifices the scientific rigor or the the sort of intricacies around science that um, aren't maybe necessarily mm. as interesting to to the broader scope. So, that's yeah, right. how do you get people well, interested mm. in things, Stephen? That's that's uh, the key. So thing. how do you how get do you people? Get, how do you get people interested in mm. in the science? How do you get them interested in in the broader or the the nitty gritty details that are required? Mm. To, well, to well, have the, inf- the information needs to be useful to that person, right? Mm. Um, and it's not it, it's not really up to the author of the paper to decide. <laughs> what's useful i think um for like i mean let's say now i've published a an article saying like playing tennis increases your chance of getting tennis elbow by 80 percent or something you know someone yeah. that plays tennis is going to find that pretty pretty useful whereas someone that doesn't play tennis is you know not going to find that useful um right well for instance like someone that plays guitar and needs their arms to do so are going to, you know, take a different message from that, have a different perspective. Mm. They might say that, okay, tennis is bad for me now. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. How do you <laughs> how do you get the right information to the right people with the right message? I think like all all information needs to be presented on an on an equal level without bias. How does how do you get that? I, I but don't know. Even, I mean, is that even even the case? If if say there is overwhelming evidence of you know climate change is occurring, and yet mm. if in a debate if you see one person who says climate change is occurring and the other person saying climate change isn't occurring, when you have both pieces of information, it seems like there's equal amounts of information out there, fifty fifty. But in reality, mm. the evidence is, is far more overwhelming than, than just a 1v1. So it's like, do all opinions get equal media attention? So it's like whoever whoever literally controls the media controls the narrative of what the public think of, right? Because it's the information, right. whether consciously or subconsciously. I, I was talking to my partner about this the other day. I was like, every every social media platform is obsessed with how do we get ads into our consumers as much as possible without mm. ruining the overall experience of our platform. And I was thinking, why is advertisement such uh, heavily invested upon like technique within, yep. within these uh, business models? And it must be because somewhere, partly somewhere within human nature, advertisements are extremely effective at shaping beliefs and wants and desires. And so it, I think what that made me realize is that Every single piece of information that we either receive consciously or unconsciously is shaping how we think and view the world, which is crazy when you think about it. Like yep. how you are right now isn't an unbiased Stephen Banos. It is a Stephen Banos who has been influenced heavily by, you know, caricatures of, you know, some guy on the beach who's super uh, fit, you know, so that makes you want to go to the gym or makes you want to eat healthy or, you know, and, and it it's... You know, interesting how media, you know, twists the desires of society. Like, what if the media just like put out adverts for everyone to be like good to one another yeah. and like help each other, and you just you just you know look after your neighbor? I don't know. Would the world be a d different place if if that was the only messaging that was put out there? I mean, yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely, because mm. the next bit of information that you receive influences how you then interpret the information that comes directly after that, and and after yeah. that, and after that. Yeah. And that's why I there's think, no good or bad, particularly in science, because there's just a collection of information, a collection of evidence. Yeah. And there are so many different perspectives from which you can interpret that information. That's it. So, that's it. I mean, there's so many times where someone will publish a paper and they will, you know, write a discussion which discusses the results and someone else will write a paper that answers that paper or the initial paper at, based on just a disagreement of the initial author's interpretation of the results. Like, the data hasn't changed. The analyses haven't changed. It's just interpretation of the same results. So, um, yeah, it's, mm. it's, 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 it can be a difficult thing. I think we see it a lot with COVID. COVID has been the best example for me of science trying its best to get results and understand what's going on and how, how it, to inform policy as best as possible. But in the same way, it's people like the general public without concrete information like in schools we're taught the answers are in the back of the textbook yeah. but in reality those answers aren't aren't really always correct and if not they change over time because of a multitude of factors so the information that we see with covid you know people saying are masks good for you are masks bad for you uh, 
does this supplement work for your, for minimizing risk of COVID? No one knows the answers. But uh, I mean, my biggest takeaway is always if someone is benefiting monetarily from your investment in some supplement to help mitigate some disease, be skeptical, like more skeptical than usual. But uh, with COVID, like it's it's crazy. I mean, have you experienced similar things with your information from COVID? Uh, well, we did a paper on this, remember, mm, where we, we discussed mm, all the misinformation around COVID. That's um, right. Look, I, I don't know if I've been receiving misinformation. How, how do how do I know? Like, I, I guess I trust you the don't. sources of my information, but yeah, like, you why don't? do I trust yeah. them? Yeah, that's it. I don't know. But so, so trust I, trust nothing. Is the trust <laughs> trust nothing. Yeah, but I guess, I guess that was that was one of one of my key questions coming out of this was like you mentioned be skeptical where there are financial incentives to present information, mm. right? Mm. But I guess I, I'm really interested in like what are the non financial incentives for authors of of certain uh, you know research studies um, to promote their papers, and and you, you sort of did answer that, like yeah, but, but yeah, the non finite like uh, other than as as I said, the the joy of doing it or the responsibility the or actual you know delayed financial incentives, authors that present their research out there it's it's hard because you can easily get crucified uh, for getting your information out there or or misinforming the public by not you know dealing with the media correctly or the media is twisting your words and, and not being able to chase that uh, rabbit uh, quick enough, I guess. Mm. And so it, it can lead to not so good outcomes. So there's, mm. yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard for scientists to, because scientists are very precise in their speech and the media isn't as precise. And the reason why scientists are is because there's so much uh, gray area and complexity and knowledge that needs to be accounted for in how they Mm. present information whereas in the media it's black and white generally and and it can be a dangerous thing so I, it makes me wonder like mm. what sources do i trust and you know you can't you no one has the time to read every single piece of information on every topic so mm. you have to distill it into sources that you trust and it's not about having blind trust i think it's about being skeptical always of the sources that you have because there's no perfect source out there but don't be skeptical of uh, us here at Midnight Conversations. We have exactly. the answers. Trust us blindly. Just as we trust Mr. <laughs> Emmanuel, Emmanuel Johnson <laughs> to follow through on his uh, $79 million. Um, in, in saying that, I mean, I think, I think mm. that's, the, that's the main takeaways from today. It was a, it was a big lesson in, in just, uh, just scientific thinking of, about mm. the resources out there and, and how the media handles uh, this information and, and understanding... The, there's reasons why certain information gets to you first, right? And and one part of scientific information could be tweeting. Other parts are you you Google something. It's what is it? Why is it that those search terms come first? Like mm. you can always be skeptical about everything. So it's yeah. I guess this, this paper about, about Twitter, you know, became quite uh, philosophical in in the discussion. It it's did. A very it interesting. Did. There you go. There I enjoyed go. it. <laughs> Good to hear. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoyed it at home too. Uh, in saying that. You know all the all the 
pipes, social media pipes that you can contact us on. Uh, if you think that, if you know Mr. Emmanuel Johnson, if you're out there, <laughs> thank you very much. We appreciate it. I did say 79 million. I do realize now, I don't know if I was saying 79 the whole time. It's 7.9. Mm. There's a there's a decimal place there. I'm still not sad. I think that's a, <laughs> it, it, going from zero to something. It's, it's a good, it's yeah, a good it's jump. It's a decent sum think, of money. We'll take it. I think, I think we'll do okay. And look, it, we may be taking a good solid three to eight years off with this money, but uh, we'll we'll come back mm-hmm. solid in, in 2028 and uh, we'll carry on this podcast with, <laughs> with some of that money left at the bank. Uh, carry God. Thank <laughs> you, that. Emmanuel. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Adidas. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>